Hey, friends and fam, it's John, and this is JMartCast, your destination for Monday morning insight about physical and financial health. I'm so glad that you've joined me. It's been a while since I posted a JMartCast episode. The last one was at the end of September, just before I was about to start Sober October. If you've joined me so for Sober October so far, I hope it's going well for you. It's been going pretty well for me. I'm so glad that I do this every year. Every year before the start of October, I'm kind of dreading it, not wanting to do it, but as always, once it gets started, it's not as hard as you think it's going to be, at least for me, and it's um, it's good. It's good to, like I always say, to get into it and uh, try it out to truly understand uh, my relationship with the substance and and to uh, see what uh, to see more clearly what I need to do to have a better relationship going going down the line, uh, you know, into the future. So, how's your October been? Uh, mine's been pretty good. Uh, at the start of October, I did release uh, one uh, state of health podcast, actually. Uh, and um, I'd really like for you guys, whoever's listening, to please check it out. It's my state of health podcast with uh, Ian McLeod, also known as Stoic Mobility on uh, Instagram. And I thought it was a great conversation about uh, how to kind of prepare ourselves for having longevity through physical activity it's something that he's an expert in. Um, so, well, yeah, I don't know if I can say he's an expert in, I mean, no one can really say they're an expert in, in longevity, right? Unless you're really old and still like have a good uh, health to say, like he's, you know, a little bit older than me, but probably not that much. So, but he's definitely someone who has a lot of experience with physical training and has been through the trials and tribulations of having to overcome, um, uh, injuries and uh, setbacks and kind of learn what it takes to fix uh, the things that are causing these injuries to happen such that he can live a pain-free lifestyle and active li- life currently. So please go check that out. It has, doesn't have as many views as some of the other State of Health co- podcasts. So I'd really like for people to listen in, check it out, and uh, you know, get some valuable insights. I've been I've made a few short uh, clips from the podcast on my Instagram page that you can check out. So please do all that. Now, uh, the other major um, physical fitness thing related thing uh, in October that happened was I ran the Toronto Marathon, um, the Waterfront Marathon last Sunday. And um, this was a really good experience for me. I uh, set the goal to do so, to do the run at the beginning of the year. Then I did a podcast, the State of Health podcast with my trainer buddy, Daniel Yours, um, in the beginning of April or maybe May. Uh, about the goal and kind of how I was preparing to do it. We also discussed his goal as well. And so my goal was to be able to complete the marathon injury-free, or the half marathon in this case, injury-free. And also if I could do it in under two hours, that would be like the cherry on the cake for me saying that I really accomplished this goal to the you know, the best of my ability and to the best of my desires. And that's ex- exactly what I did. I uh, finished a race in one hour and 54 minutes and a few seconds at a pace of about five minutes and 20 seconds per kilometer. Really happy with that. It was a great performance. It's the fastest that I've ran all season long this year. And it was a surprise to me that I was able to hit that uh pace and be able to do it in under two hours because 
I hadn't been able to run that fast or I hadn't really tried to run that fast all year long. I had run a half marathon distance, 21 kilometers during my training. And the time that I was able to accomplish it for the training time was two hours and 25 minutes. So to be able to do it in only an hour and 54 minutes, that's a basically a half hour improvement. It's a huge, uh, huge improvement, right? More than one minute uh, per kilometer pace uh, decrease, uh, meaning I was uh, one minute faster per kilometer. So that was uh, great. But in all honesty, and this is what I've been telling all the friends who've been asking me about it, and I posted it on my Instagram, I'm most happy about the feeling of, of uh, being healthy again, because for about a month prior to the race, I was down in the depths and feeling horrible. So at the beginning of September, my son started to go to uh, junior kindergarten. And within the first week, he came home and brought back some sort of viral infection that really affected me and made me feel ill. At first, it was just regular respiratory virus kind of symptoms of like having a cough, having a sore throat, uh, runny nose, that kind of stuff. But then as I was clearing those symptoms, I was starting to develop new symptoms of like gastrointestinal issues where I, I wasn't able to go to the bathroom properly, couldn't, you know, create a, couldn't produce a solid log, log to save my life. Sorry to get a little graphic there. And actually the same thing happened to my children. So I'm pretty confident that it was this viral infection that my brought, that my son brought from school. And that really had a huge impact on me, uh, like health wise, because, um, it made me have like stomach cramps and pains that uh, made it difficult to even just consume food. Every time I was eating something, I had uh, a lot of uh, pain and it made me not want to eat essentially, which is obviously not a good strategy for dealing with illness. It's not sustainable, of course, and I ended up losing a decent amount of weight. I lost 10 pounds, maybe 15 pounds of weight, which is kind of ridiculous. I don't really have that weight to lose. I'm a pretty lean person to begin with. And now I'm back to my high school weight, like something of the weight that I wrestled at when I was 16 years old, like nearly 20 years ago, right? So kind of crazy that I, I lost that much weight. And my stamina was really perturbed by that when I was still doing my uh, running to train for the marathon. Uh, there was one time that I tried running that I felt so horrible that within the first couple minutes of me going out to start to run, I was already feeling the stitches in my gut and not able to really run at, at a pace that was representative of what I was capable of. Uh, I just pushed through it anyway and tried to run what I could, but it was, it was, uh, it was making me feel like I would have to possibly cancel the event and not run but luckily uh, with a little bit of help from like me doing a little bit of intermittent fasting uh, trying to really only eat uh, food that would be easy to digest and not uh, perturb my stomach too much uh, I was able to clear this virus and get my stamina back not feel pain from every time I would eat and uh, the last week leading up to the half marathon I was feeling pretty much back to normal. I decided to go ahead with the run and then I was able to have this performance that met my goal and I was really happy with that. And just to give a little shout out, I had another friend who ran a full marathon at the same event and this female friend, she ran the full marathon twice the distance that I did at a faster pace than me. She uh, 
did it in just under three and a half hours, meaning that she qualified for the Boston Marathon. So shout out to my friend who is a badass person who I look up to and who I think of every time I run and I want to push my pace. So thank you so much for the inspiration and way to go on qualifying for Boston. All right, I'm going to do a quick little Bitcoin update. Then I want to do a couple of comments on some news articles that I've seen throughout the last two to three weeks as I've been not doing my JMartCast episodes. So with regards to Bitcoin, we are sitting on block height 813,212. The price of one Bitcoin is trading at 29,867 US dollars. One US dollar will buy you 3,348 sats. Sats are the cents equivalent of a Bitcoin, right? If you think of $1 subdividing to 100 cents, one Bitcoin can subdivide into 100 million sats. So the amount of $1 that, or the, the amount of sats that one US dollar is capable of purchasing you has actually gone down a little bit since there's a recent price increase. We're back to uh, near the $30,000 mark, about 80% up since the start of the year. By the way, just a quick mention, as I always do, if you want to support the podcast and uh, you know, just show your gratitude in any way. Um, you know, there's always, you can, you know, like, and subscribe and all that, share the podcast with friends. But if you want to do so with a few sats, feel free to listen to the podcast with a app that has Bitcoin enabled on it. These are called podcasting 2.0 apps. There's many examples. The ones that I like are fountain. It's called fountain. Just search it on the, uh, App Store, whichever one, you'll be able to find it. There's another one called Podverse and Breeze. These are great options and they have it enabled such that you can send sats or Bitcoin to the podcast that has it enabled per minute listened. Or you also have an option called a Boostagram where you can just send one amount attached with a message. So if you do so and send me a message, I will definitely read the message on the podcast and and thank you for it. So moving on. So usually I do the second half half of the podcast trying to talk about certain aspects of Bitcoin. And this time around, I'm just going to make a few comments about the news that I've been seeing and kind of how it kind of really shows the system that we're currently living in, how broken it is. And, you know, the more you see the problem, the more you can see that there's a solution offered by Bitcoin. But unless you see the problem and feel it for yourself, I think it's kind of pointless to talk about Bitcoin. Maybe the first thing we can talk about is the U.S. debt clock. Do you guys know about that? The, the U.S. debt clock, which uh, in real time shows the amount of debt that the U.S. government is in. If you just go to usdebtclock.org, you can see it for yourself. So currently it's uh, at $33,658,425,000. dollars and change. And this number has been going up at a staggeringly increasing rate. Um, let me look at the, let me pull up some tweet that really um, illustrates how fast this has been happening. Um, there's a tweet that says, um, our national debt, this is a tweet from October 11th, so more than a week ago now. And it's quite a bit higher than that now, but it says our national debt has jumped by 550 billion so half a trillion in the past three weeks what is going on this is way above the pace of two trillion per year expected by the government 
We were at 31.4 trillion just four weeks ago, 31.4, and we've increased by 2.1 trillion in four months. This is since the um, debt ceiling got uh, uh, whatever, like um, removed, I guess, right? There's, a, there's always like a ceiling every four years that they got a debate over whether they're going to remove it or not. They always do, but there's always like some political thing that somebody wants that they're going to get for allowing for the debt ceiling to be removed, right? So they don't let their ceiling to be removed unless they get their, like some politicians get what they want. And so ever since it got removed, <laughs> it's jumped up by <laughs> 2.1 trillion in four months. It's ridiculous. They're never going to be able to pay this debt back. And not only that, there's also on the um, website, the usdebtclock.org, if you look at the bottom right corner, it also talks about the US unfunded liabilities. This is Social Security and Medicare, that number is just bonkers. It's $194 trillion, $757 billion. Yeah, that's never going to get paid out. So just goes to show the level of corruption and, and the brokenness of the system. And that system, of course, is the fiat money system, right? The fiat money is the money that simply has value because government says that it has value, not because it has any sound properties to it. So with fiat money, you can just keep creating more and more out of thin air. And this is why we have inflation. This is why the prices of goods and services continues to go up and why people are unable to afford basic things like groceries, let alone, you know, property. And all these politicians, they're just all corrupt. They just want to be close to the money spigot so they get their turn at getting some of the money as it's being churned out, right? The closer to you are to the printer, the first you are to get the new fresh money, therefore you are more able to benefit from it. And honestly, the only politician that I currently see on the global scale who is doing anything remotely close to helping its people is uh, the president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele, the president that made Bitcoin legal tender for his country, and he's doing things like this new thing. He They built a hydroelectric dam for their country. I'm going to read a tweet about this hydroelectric dam that was originally planned in 2008, and you'll see what I mean. So El Salvador's, El Salvador's Chaparral hydroelectric dam was originally planned in 2008, at an original cost of 200 million US dollars. Now, 11 years later in 2019, the budget had been increased to 600 million US dollars while the project was effectively stalled. Hundreds of millions of dollars went to waste during an era of massive corruption of government public works projects like this one. Since 2019, when Bukele's administration took over, it has undertaken the project and seen it through to completion. So from 2019 to 2023, that's four years, he completed it, right? Originally, what was it, uh, 11 years or not 11 years, sorry. I didn't say what the original number of years was, but 11 years later, they still hadn't completed it. So in four years, he did what hadn't been done in the previous 20 years. The dam, which was now, which was once a symbol of the country's corruption, is now a monument to the country's efficiency and transparency. Energy costs will be reduced for the Salvadorans as they 
continue to deliver on time and on budget energy projects from the hydroelectric wind to from hydroelectric to wind solar and geothermal sources and another tweet says that the um you know while the world's going into energy crisis in el salvador it's it's in it's in the reverse to have energy abundance with this new hydropower plant they've announced that there's going to be a 14 percent reduction in energy prices what other country is saying that we're going to reduce energy prices like it's going up everywhere luckily we live in ontario I personally live in Ontario where we have a lot of our energy coming from nuclear power plants, but even that power plant is getting getting old and hopefully it can last longer, uh, you know, many years, many decades, but, you know, we need new uh, nuclear power plants being built to make sure we have energy abundance. And here we have uh, this country, this little tiny country building a hydroelectric power plant in four years to make sure that they're citizens have cheap energy so that they can live and thrive, not just survive. All right, moving on now, the other major global event that happened while I was kind of missing in action and not uh, putting out uh, JMR cast episodes, of course, has been the, the attacks that happened in Israel by Hamas terrorist group and the subsequent retaliation by the Israeli government. Um, both Hamas, this terrorist group, is... A terrible organization that does not care about the Palestinian people. In my opinion, same thing goes for the Israeli government. This Netanyahu character, he's he's a terrible leader who also does not care about the Israelis. And the only losers are, of course, of course the innocent civilians, the innocent Palestinians, and the innocent um, Israeli Jews who've you know been caught in a crossfire and have died from the back and forth attacks. And, you know, I just, it's sad to see the level of division this is causing between people and the hatred that it's uh, generating between the two groups, uh, both in the region and outside the region as well. You know, just, there's not enough people calling for peace. I don't know why. Well, maybe I do know why, because... You know, the government has brainwashed people into choosing sides, right? It's the divide and conquer model. Let's just make people hate each other rather than turn against us. That's that's how I see it, right? Uh, the U.S. government is not interested in anything but continuing war. They do not want peace to break out, right? I saw this tweet about how the U.S. government blocked the U.N. call for a humanitarian pause in Gaza. Uh, this has happened many times in the recent past. They voted against the ceasefire in Gaza. They've also, if we're talking about the Russia-Ukraine war, they blocked the peace agreement between the two countries in April of 2022. They're one of the only two countries in the UN to continue the economic war in Cuba. The other one was Israel, one of three countries to vote against UN resolution condemning the glorification of Nazism. They send weapons to a long list of wars and conflicts to ensure that, that those conflicts keep going. It wouldn't even surprise me to find out that U.S. is not only backing Israel with weapons, but is also su- supporting uh, um, uh, Hamas with with weapons as well. There's uh, some talk of the uh, weapons used by Hamas coming from the weaponry that was sent to Ukraine. Yeah, they, they do that. They undermine democratic ele- elections all around the globe cre- and just create all these conf- conflicts. So 
and you know this is all part of the military industrial complex that Eisenhower, the president after World War II, uh, that warned about, and it's just gotten so out of hand that there's just perpetual war. Just as you thought Russia-Ukraine was winding down, boom, there's another one right coming after it with you know Israel and Palestine. All right, let's move on from that to talk about a couple last things. A story that broke out a couple days ago on October 19th is that Health Canada now confirms that there is presence of DNA sequences in the Pfizer shot. Uh, Health Canada regulators say that Pfizer did not disclose the presence of simian virus 40 SV40 DNA sequence in the mRNA COVID-19 shots at the time of filing. So for those who don't understand how much of a big deal this is, you know, originally it was always, you know, it's just mRNA in these shots. You got nothing to worry about. mRNA is, uh, uh, you know, very transient uh, molecule that's not going to stay in your system for very long. Boom, turns out there's DNA in there. Not only DNA, but this SV40, simian virus 40, is a type of sequence that acts as a promoter for uh, DNA transcription for making more RNA, right? So it's like the green light for the body. As soon as the body's um, uh, enzymes, specifically the RNA polymerase, recognizes this sequence of DNA, it makes tons and tons of, maybe not tons and tons, but a large amount of RNA, which then can result in whatever new proteins being uh, produced and and it depends on whatever the DNA sequence is, of course, as to what's being produced. So not only is there a bunch of random DNA uh, sequences, but this one particular one is is very problematic. Now, of course, the you know the official statement behind is, oh, you know, it's not as dangerous as people as people are claiming it to be. But of course, they're moving the goalposts. At first, it was don't worry, it's just RNA. Now it's like. There's not being DNA found. Oh, it's not that bad. It's going to be, you know, moving the goalposts all the way until, you know, I don't know what, until they finally can confirm that all the, you know, increased rates of cancer that people are talking about is because of these COVID shots. I hope that happens, but, you know, there's no guarantee that people will actually uh, admit to this mistake because it's such a large mistake that you can't admit to it. You have to just double down on the fact that, you know, um, this can't be our fault. That's what it is. By the way, there's a great book called Mistakes Were Made But Not By Us. Sorry, not uh, not not by us, but by me. So it's, it's titled Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. Uh, with a subtitle of Why We Justify Foolish Beliefs, Bad Decisions, and Hurtful Acts. The author is uh, Carol Travis. Great book. And it just details a number of really high-profile cases of, you know, people making mistakes about certain decisions that had a huge impact on other people's lives and then Rather than admitting their mistakes, they double down and it takes years of, you know, investigation to actually prove that these public figures are just using self-deception and they're just basically unable to own up to the fact that they screwed up. And I think the same case is here. Yeah, and the other comment I wanted to make about this was a few weeks back, there was a Nobel Prize given to a couple of scientists who were the ones 
responsible for the pseudouridine addition to the mRNA. So just a quick backstory to explain what this is. So there's DNA and RNA, and we have four specific molecules that represent these um, DNA and RNA. So we have for DNA, A, G, and T, C. So these are adenine, cytosine, uh, guanine, and thiamine. So A, G, C, T. And with RNA, you have three of the same four molecules. You still have the A, C, G, but instead of T, you have something different called uracil. So instead of thiamine, you have uracil. Now, if you add just a methyl molecule, which is a carbon three with which is a carbon with three hydrogen molecules, then you turn the uracil to thymine, and by this methylation, it's called you're making the structure of the the molecule a lot more stable. That's the thing with RNA is that it's a very unstable molecule because of this uracil, and it gets degraded very easily, which is good. That's what we want in the body. We don't want RNA sticking around for a long time, uh, you know, telling um, the ribosome, which is this molecule that uses the RNA to produce proteins, to continuously, you know, produce more and more protein. You just want it to be there transiently for a short amount of time to make as much uh, protein as is necessary, but then to degrade away so that you don't overproduce. When you methylate it, you get thiamine from uracil and it's a lot more stable now what these scientists did so and that was actually a big concern about um the mrna shots was because the mrna the rna is you know so unstable they had to keep it in minus 80 degree kind of for storage right and people were worried that it would be too unstable to be able to, to, be able to deliver to patients but so what they did sneakily and they didn't really tell anybody this they only came out like a much later after the shots were already administered was this uracil molecule which is unstable they modified it they changed it uh, and it's it's called pseudouridine and this change similar to the methylation that uracil turns into thymine and becomes more stable whatever modification they did now made this pseudouridine be much more stable. And so that was the Nobel Prize was given for that part of the mRNA shots, you know, for COVID. So it wasn't the, it's funny because the uh, Nobel Prize wasn't given for the actual creation of the mRNA vaccines, just this one component that makes the this you know unstable part of rna become much more stable and before i try to explain why well let's talk about that first like why wasn't the nobel prize given for the actual you know creation of the mrna shots well because the guy who owns the patents on the mrna shots has been vehemently against its use because he sees that the problems associated, the adverse events, and he's not very happy 
that it's being used so widespread, right? He's been very critical. And so why would you give a Nobel Prize to some dude who's being critical? <laughs> Instead, let's find some patsies who are much more open to continuing to push these shots on people, even though it's not necessary, right? And then that way, maybe we can encourage people to uptake more of these uh, shots as like the new, you know, viral season is starting up and, you know, uptake, uptake isn't as, as good as it was the first time around. So let's, let's uh, encourage people by showing them that, look, these scientists who helped with this small part of the <laughs> vaccine creation, there, they get the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Anyway, the, the other point I wanted to make was that the fact that the amount of stability that this pseudouridine molecule adds to the mRNA shots is such that the mRNA is able to be detected in the blood of people who've been in, you know, given the shots two months after they've been given the shots for two months. Meanwhile, mRNA is supposed to degrade in a day or two. But two months later, with these pseudouridine mRNA shots, it's still there. And it's not because after two months that they were able to no longer detect it, is they just stopped the, the experiment to look for it, which is just ridiculous. I don't know what else to say about that, except to say that if you follow mainstream media's advice on what to do, whether it's regarding your physical health or your financial health, you're going to end up poor and sick. That is my opinion. I'd like to see me prove, I'd like to see anyone prove me wrong. And I'll just finish off today's, um, today's uh, podcast episode with a tweet from a Bitcoiner who I've been in touch with uh, online, but I haven't met in person yet, but I hope to meet him soon in person. This is Rajat Sony on Twitter or X. You can find him at Rajat Sony Finance. Uh, actually, the finance part is not spelled with an I, so it's Rajat R A J A T Sony S O N I, and then finance is F N A N C E. Great guy for getting financial advice, and he. This is a tweet he wrote on October 18th. He says, "A majority of people take on debt." to go to school, take on debt to buy a car, take on debt to buy a home, work a job they hate for 40 years, are miserable the last 10 years of their lives because of the decisions they made for the first 60 years. Don't be like the majority. I thought this was a great tweet about how to make sure you have a, a better financial health outlook than most people. And kind of building off of that, I, um, I kind of constructed a similar tweet about physical health and i said that the majority of people will never lift anything heavier than their child if that they will never push their heart rate to zone two or higher for greater than 30 minutes they will never stretch or think about their posture except to hunch forward to look at a tv or a phone and they will spend the last couple decades of their life with chronic disease feeling miserable so don't be like most people. Take care of yourself, both of your financial and physical health. These are the two most important parts of your life that most people take for granted and ignore. And with that, thank you for listening. 
Thank you for joining me this week on the Jmart cast. I love you all. Please leave a comment or send me a message at jmartfit at substack.com. You can also reach me through social media. I'm on Noster as well. All the links are in the description. Love you all. Have a good week. Stay active. Be grateful. Jmart out. <laughs>